Hello and welcome to Discovering Jazz. My name's Larry Sademan, and in this program, we all discover jazz, old and new, together by listening to a wide array of selections, exploring different jazz styles and topics related to jazz, we'll learn more about what it is, what it isn't, how it's developed, and what we can listen for to enhance our experience. For the next 60 minutes, Discovering Jazz. Today, jazz and politics. The role of jazz in promoting social and political activism. Starting out with a piece recommended by Peterborough saxophonist William Hamilton, he wisely suggested that it would be a great way to start this program. Oscar Peterson wrote this tune in 1962, and it has been embraced by people throughout the world as the anthem of the civil rights movement. For inspiration, Peterson drew upon various church renderings of Negro spirituals recalled from his childhood in Montreal. Peterson experienced many episodes of racial prejudice during tours of the U.S. during his early years, but never expected to find this in Canada. But he did, when his family was subjected to racial taunts outside his home in Montreal in 2006. So this composition, which included lyrics which he commissioned to have written, that start off, When every heart joins every heart and together yearns for liberty, that's when we'll be free. When every hand joins every hand and together molds our destiny, that's when we'll be free. From his Night Train album of 1962, here's Oscar Peterson Trio, Hymn to Freedom. Thank you. 
Oscar Peterson Trio with Ed Thigpin on drums, Ray Brown bass, and the piano of Oscar Peterson. From 1962, Hymn to Freedom. Today on Discovering Jazz, part one of Jazz and Politics. Let's go back a few more years. This is taken from George Avakian's liner notes from an album called Ambassador Satch. In the middle of the Cold War, during the time of the East-West Conference in Geneva, Switzerland, a meeting of foreign ministers, October 27th to November 16th, 1955. The mood was one of pessimism. There seemed to be no progress towards world peace or towards the easing of Cold War tensions. At that time, Louis Armstrong and his orchestra were touring Europe, a New York Times correspondent, Felix Belair, knowing that Armstrong was in Europe, decided to file a story about the strength of jazz in international relations. The impact of the story was incredible, with even the most conservative newspapers picking it up and inspiring letters galore. Belair wrote, What many thoughtful Europeans cannot understand is why the United States government with all the money it spends for so-called propaganda to promote democracy, does not use more of it to subsidize the continental travels of jazz bands and the best exponents of the music. American jazz has now become a universal language. Unquote. Louis Armstrong stated, We played in West Berlin on the last tour and people sneaked over from the East Zone to hear us. They wouldn't dare do that for food or anything else. Man, there were even Russians who came over. Hardly any of them could speak any English, but that didn't bother them or us. The music did all the talking for both sides. So here is Royal Garden Blues, live from one of those European concerts in 1955 from an album called Ambassador Satch. Louis Armstrong.
Louis Armstrong and his all-stars from Ambassador Satch, a live recording from his European tour of 1955 with musicians who included Trummy Young on trombone, Edmund Hall on clarinet, Billy Kyle on the piano, Arvel Shaw bass, and drummer Barrett Deems. Today on Discovering Jazz, I'm talking about jazz and politics. Let's move ahead 62 years. A young jazz singer, aptly named Jasmia Horn. This is from her 2017 debut album, A Social Call. Let me read from her notes. During the creative process, I was pregnant. Every day I was nurturing a growing baby in my womb as a mother, but I was also nurturing the concept for a social call as an artist. I drew inspiration from the social issues that exist in the world today. Racism, xenophobia, poverty, fear, lack of purpose, lack of the understanding of culture, lack of love, lack of peace, lack of healing, and lack of true enlightenment for those in search of it. There is a hunger for change that I felt physically in my body as well as in the universe, as I would feel my child in the womb thump and reach out to change positions, I would also feel the thump of the people reaching out for a change in position. I see an interconnectedness between motherhood, Mother Earth, and social justice or the needs of the people. I would walk outside and see the people in the streets of Harlem protesting to stop violence in America. Then I would sit down on my sofa in the evening and see from my TV the people protesting in Syria, South Africa, Paris, West Africa, etc. That protesting to me was the same thump or cry of hunger that I felt from my own child whilst in the womb. Unquote. Here is Jasmia Horn with a medley of three songs. The Mongo, Mongo Santa Maria and Oscar Brown Jr. composition of Afro Blue, her own poem called I See You, with I spelled E-Y-E, and lastly, the traditional spiritual Wade in the Water, Jasmia Horn.
see you as I walk alone, leaving my home to roam the streets of the world. I find blood on the pavement.
Jasmine Horn, originally from Texas, now living in New York. And that particular track featured Victor Gould on piano, Ben Williams on bass, and Jerome Jennings on drums and percussion, as well as the trumpet of Josh Evans. This is Discovering Jazz. I'm Larry Sademan. Today I'm talking about the relationship between jazz and politics, including the role of jazz in promoting political activism. One of the most recorded bassists in jazz history, Charlie Hayden, started a very political project in 1970 called the Liberation Music Orchestra, and it led to five albums. Themes from the first one included Vietnam, the bombing of Cambodia, Che Guevara's murder, the 1968 Chicago Democratic Convention, where a number of protesters were beaten and jailed, and even some songs from the Spanish Civil War. Later albums dealt with Nicaragua, racism, El Salvador, the anarchist women's movement, among other themes. Here's one from their fourth album from 2005 called Not In Our Name, and the Carla Blay arrangement of the David Bowie and Pat Metheny tune called This Is Not America, where at the end you'll hear a quick reference to the battle hymn of the Republic, the Liberation Music Orchestra, This Is Not America.
the Liberation Music Orchestra and their interpretation of the Pat Metheny and David Bowie collaboration of This Is Not America. Musicians include Carla Blay as arranger and pianist, Charlie Hayden on bass, Michael Rodriguez and Seneca Black on trumpets, Curtis Folks trombone, Ani Sharon Freeman on French horn, Joe Daly on tuba, Miguel Zenon on alto saxophone, Chris Creek tenor saxophone, Tony Malaby flute and tenor sax, Steve Cardenas on guitar, and Matt Wilson drums. That's from 2005. Cuba has played a pretty significant role in a lot of political jazz. Even the Liberation Music Orchestra, who we just heard, included in their first album a composition by Charlie Hayden dedicated to Cuban revolutionary Che Guevara called Song for Che. For many Cuban jazz musicians, Che Guevara, Fidel Castro, and the Cuban Revolution ended up creating many divisions among them, with some commemorating the revolution and others, such as Paquito de Rivera and Arturo Sandoval, supporting right-wing politicians, so long as they are willing to ensure that there is no reconciliation with Cuba. I had the opportunity, when I visited Cuba for the Havana Jazz Festival in 2015, to have spoken with Arturo O'Farrell, a pianist and the son of the great jazz arranger Chico O'Farrell. I interviewed Arturo in the bar of the Malia Cohiba, and one of the questions was simply about great Cuban musicians who deserve more recognition. Here was his answer. The two or three that have made huge names for themselves, I don't, with the exception of Chucho Valdez, I don't think of them as very Cuban. And I think they've renounced the idealism of Cuba. I think those folks have embraced American values in a very horrible way, frankly. Uh, and so there aren't any real of the older generation, except for Chucho, who still periodically lives in Cuba. There's, there's no heroes. There are no heroes. Anti-heroes is what they are. Of the young generation, there's a wonderful musician who's barely known outside of Cuba. His name is Yasek Manzano. And he's a trumpet player, and he's an amazing composer, an amazing trumpet player, and a profound spirit. So I think he deserves a shot at correcting some of the uh, betrayal that Arturo Sandoval has left. Arturo O'Farrell with very strong views about the politics of Arturo Sandoval and others who have left Cuba. At some point in this series on jazz and politics, I intend to play you some Arturo O'Farrell, as well as something by either Arturo Sandoval or Paquito de Rivera, in order to represent the other side of the political dialectic. But right now, that trumpet player that Arturo O'Farrell recommended, the one he said deserves a shot at correcting the betrayal that Arturo Sandoval has created. Here is Yasek Manzano from 2018. This is called Congo Bronx.
Yasak Manzano, Congo Bronx. This is Discovering Jazz, and today talking about jazz and politics. Talked a lot about Cuba, and uh, going to be talking more about Cuban jazz and the political aspects to it in, in uh, future uh, programs on this series of jazz and politics. But we have time for a couple more songs, so... Uh, when I was first thinking about putting together a series on jazz and politics, I put out a query on the Jazz Peterborough Facebook page for any ideas. One person who responded was Peterborough's legendary pianist and singer, Rob Phillips, who you can hear playing at the Black Horse every Thursday night. He just wrote on his response, Mose Allison, for sure. Mose Allison, who just died a couple years ago, was, to quote from Wikipedia, a white jazz pianist and singer who proved that a white man from Mississippi could hold his own in a traditionally black genre. It was said that Allison was a social critic before Bob Dylan and a music satirist before Randy Newman. He was reported to have strong views about the domination of money over everything, the growing lack of empathy and the part of the powers that be for the population, wars and more wars, and an underlying hypocrisy in society, and the arrogance of colonizers of the Americas. Here is one of his best-known political songs. Many people have recorded this one. Mose Allison from 1968. Everybody's crying mercy. I can't believe the things I'm seeing. I wonder about some things I've heard. Everybody crying mercy when they don't know the meaning. It's sure enough getting worse. Everybody crying justice, just as long as there's business first. Toad to Touch and go Give a cheer Get your souvenir People running round in circles Don't know what they're headed for Thank you. 
Moe's Allison. Time for one more. Before I introduce it, I want to remind you to tune in again next week. If you are listening to this program on Trent Radio, CFFF 92.7 on your dial in Peterborough. And um, if you are listening to this on the podcast, I'll get part two of politics and jazz together in the next week or two. So make sure you give it a listen. This is Discovering Jazz. My name's Larry Sademan. Going to end off with the classic of all political songs. So much has been written about Billie Holiday and her composition and recording of Strange Fruit. It was taken from a poem by American writer, teacher, and songwriter Abel Mirapol under his pseudonym Lewis Allen, protesting American racism, and it was specifically about the lynchings in the South. 1,953 Americans were murdered by lynching about three-quarters of the black. Holiday first performed the song at Café Society in 1939, which was owned by Barney Josephson. She said that singing it made her fearful of retaliation, but because its imagery reminded her of her father, she continued to sing the piece, making it a regular part of her live performances. Because of the power of the song, Josephson drew up some rules. Holiday would close with it, the waiters would stop all service in advance, the room would be in darkness except for a spotlight on Holiday's face, and there would be no encore. During the musical introduction, Billie Holiday stood with her eyes closed as if she were evoking a prayer. Holiday's record company, Columbia, were afraid to record it fearful of repercussions, but they gave her a one-session release from her contract so she could record it for an alternative jazz label, Commodore. Here is Billie Holiday with Strange Fruit. Then the sudden smell 
of burning flesh. Here's a fruit for the crows to pluck, for the rain to gather, for the wind to suck, for the sun to rot, for the tree. To drop is a strange and bitter. 